continue to learn from John by turning to John chapter 4. If you have one of the green Bibles, it's page 188 in the very back of the book. So the second set of page numbers. And i got to be honest, I was really excited when I saw this week because I hadn't planned for Pentecost in my, like, setting of the dates. But this text is all about the Spirit of God. So I was like, score! It's going to be great. It's going to work out. I don't even have to work very hard to make the connection. The Spirit of God is very good at those sorts of things. So let's just take a moment to remember. We're talking about a community who has been... Uh, torn apart in some ways. It's been, there's been a group of people who have left the church and are saying things that are not true about the gospel. They're saying things that are not true about Jesus and they're trying. They have left, but they haven't really left, right? They're trying to influence the community and get more people to believe what they believe and less of what the true, of the, the truth of the gospel is. And, John has talked a lot about love and the way we treat one another. And so it's, it's probably a fair assumption that these people who were speaking against the gospel and the truth that had been passed down from the time of Jesus to the early church and to us were doing so in a very harsh way. They were doing so in a way that showed it was more important to them to be right than it was for them to be loving. And right as in the way that they, what they believed to be right, not necessarily what we know to be true. So, so John has given them tests or uh, uh, rubrics or things that they can ask themselves when they're listening to these teachers who come in and speak against uh, what they know to be true. And we get it again here in chapter 4. And we're going to look at this text in two sections. The first, the first is the first six verses. Of chapter 4. So, as we open God's Word, let's ask God to bless the reading. God, our Creator and the One who has inspired these words. God, our Savior to whom these words point. God, three in one, we ask now that you speak for your servants are listening. Give us the ears to hear, the minds to understand, the souls to, to believe and have faith. And what we hear, Lord, we pray with humility, asking for you, Holy Spirit, to speak to each and every one of us what it is that you need us to hear today. And so we open ourselves to receive from you, anticipating, expecting your work, Holy Spirit, in our midst. Whatever it is that you want to say, we are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out in the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. 
They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. And whoever is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So this is the word of the Lord. So this, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Have you ever heard that phrase, the spirit of the age? That kind of characterization of a time period in history or a culture or a place? Uh, Or uh, if you saw online the way that the BC Ferries were being renamed, the contest. One of my favorite name for a new BC Ferry is Spirit of Bad Wi-Fi. The, the being known for something. Test the spirits of the age. Or test the Wi-Fi at the ferry. It won't work. At least that's my experience. This idea of the spirits that are present in the world. There are true, actual spirits at work as well as Spirits in the sense of a teaching or a culture or a way of living, right? And God says through John that we've got to test those against what we know because those spirits have a way of shaping us. They have a way of making us act certain ways. They have a way of influencing us of influencing the way we make decisions, of of the way we judge or value things. And so the spirits that were being taught at the Johannine community were ones that were against Jesus coming in the flesh, right? They were against Jesus being fully human and fully divine. And if you don't believe in the incarnation, then it doesn't really matter what Jesus did on the cross, to pay for your sins, so it totally changes what you believe and what you build your faith upon. So that's why John's telling them they have to test what they're hearing against the gospel truth, the foundations of the gospel. But we have to continue to test what we hear from the spirits of our age so that we don't fall victim to being shaped as a church or as a Christian community, as the body of Christ, by things that do not belong to Christ. So I made a list of some of the things that I've, uh, in the, whoa, big old spider. (laughs) Oh, it fell. Okay, it's on the ground, I think. We won't, I'm not going to worry if it's on the ground. Okay. But everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Okay. So I made a list. This is quite the morning. I made a list of all of the things. This is what happens when I use paper, too. All right. I used, I made a list of all the, the spirits in the world that have had an influence on the church, some of which we have let, had too strong of an influence in the church. These are the spirits that we have to test against the gospel and the words of Christ and the words of the Holy Spirit that have inspired in Scripture, okay? So there's this spirit of, the, the spirit of spin or manipulation. 
which has led televangelists to, to manipulate you into giving them money. There's the spirit of control, which says if I give money to the church, I should be able to say exactly how things happen at the church. We are the ones that shape the church versus the Spirit of God being the one that shapes the church. The Spirit of control. Or the Spirit of shame, where we make people feel so guilty about their sins that we never let them experience what it means to live in the freedom of God's forgiveness. Think of how many people in the church who have had, or in the world really, this is very true, in the world and politicians who have one thing that happened 25 years ago that they ask forgiveness for, that they have mended fences about, but comes back out into, into the light of day and they're forced to resign when it has really nothing to do, right, with what they're doing right now. That is the spirit of shame that exists in our culture today. Or the spirit of politeness that the kingdom of Canada is known so well for. Politeness that makes us in the church become so seeker-sensitive that we don't say anything with firmness about Jesus in the church because we're too afraid of offending someone. Or the spirit of rationalism, which in the history of the church has led people to follow this early secessionist movement that John's talking about away from the miracle that is the Incarnation and leads people to mark out in Scripture all of the miracles because they can't explain scientifically how they happened. And so we have to make the teachings of the church fit with the teachings of how the mind works and what we can prove or disprove. Or the spirit of pleasure or happiness which has led the church down the road of the prosperity gospel. To the name it and claim it in the name of Jesus I will get this, this answer to my prayer, which usually is about something I want, like a car. Or if I'm being blessed by God, if I'm doing the right things, God will bless me with what I want and answer my prayers for material things. That's the way the spirit of seeking pleasure and happiness has made its way into the church. Or the spirit of fame, where I will belong to the church where the happening preacher goes. Look at the ways, though, that the community falls apart when it's centered around a person other than Jesus, when that person inevitably fails or falls. Or the spirit of being part of a particular church community because of what they're known for in the community. That's another way in which we can seek the the spirit of fame and how that shapes us. If that is being shaped by anything other than the love of God... We have to ask ourselves whether it's following in the gospel. Or even the spirit of love, which is what we know God is calling us to, it too can fall and be shaped, shaping us in the wrong way so that the spirit of love is a love that is not the love of God for the entire community, but it's the, the love of family. Or it's the love of a marriage that is put up to the highest, and they celebrated the most in the church rather than the love of the community and the love of God through and for all of us. So the spirits of the age that shape us 
cannot be more powerful to us than the Spirit of God shaping us. So how do we know what the Spirit of God shapes us for? The basics. The basic work of the Spirit of God is to testify to the, and to build the foundation of the faith, which is that Jesus, through the will of the Father, came to earth fully human, as fully divine, became fully human, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And then he rose again, conquering death and sin and the evil one, ushering in that new life in the kingdom that we heard about last week. We have gone from death to life in the new kingdom, the new kingdom that is known and characterized by God's love. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that sustained Jesus on the cross. And it is the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus ascended into heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God and where our flesh is now in the throne room where we are welcome because of the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God testifies to all of these things by its presence, and it testifies to all of these things in our presence. And so when I speak here on Sunday mornings, we always offer that prayer for the Holy Spirit to be at work. We always pray that the Holy Spirit will say that thing that needs to be said to each of us. And we do that because we know that the Spirit testifies to the gospel truth. And so sometimes I'll talk with some of you after church and you will say, oh, the thing that stuck out to you in the sermon. And it was not the thing that I was expecting. But it's because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you about those things. And so if you are listening, you hear. If you are listening... You recognize and you trust. If you are listening, then you are willing to struggle with what God is saying to you. If you are listening, you're willing to actually listen. But if you dismiss, if you ignore, and if you demand that, others listen to you more than you're willing to listen, then the Holy Spirit needs to have a little bit more work done in you. That's what John's saying. So when you have people who come to you from the outside the community who demand that you listen but do not want to take the time to listen, you must ask yourself how much time to give them. For we all can use more of the Holy Spirit's presence, Right? But I take comfort in knowing that if I'm struggling with something God has said, that means I'm listening to God. If I'm struggling to accept or even to understand, that means the Spirit of God is at work. But if I'm quick to dismiss, or if I'm quick to ignore, or if I'm quick to pass it off, then the Holy Spirit has not 
taken ownership over me as much as I might like to claim. So what does the Spirit of God look like in our midst? Let's read at verse 7. It would not be John if we did not talk about God as love. So beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ and has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God conquers the world. This is the word of the Lord. So the first time that we heard about God's love being perfected in us, It was love being perfected in us as individuals. And it was known and experienced through obeying his commandments. And so now here we are, having God's love being perfected in us as a community. And it is known by us loving one another. Obeying God's commands and treating one another well. Loving one another as God loves. Refusing to let ourselves stay in places that are marked by darkness. But choosing instead to respond as God responds. To love like God is not to say that we're never going to be angry 
or frustrated or even have uh, justifiable negative reactions to other people. But it's choosing to not let those be the thing that shapes how you respond to them. To love like God is to choose to start from not a place of anger, to start not from a place of frustration, to start not from the place of wanting to have your hurts fixed by them, but it's to start from a place of God's love when you respond. To start from a place of saying, you are a child of God. And because I love God, I will see love treat you as I would want myself to be treated. To have that switch from seeking to have my needs met to seeking to share God's love. Because that's the example that God gave us for love. It's to have love be the fountain of all that we do. The source and the guide that led to God's sacrifice on our behalf. Not for His needs to be met, but for our own. Remember last time when we talked about, I think it was last time, about how the commandments of God are all about protecting other people from us. They limit my freedom so that you can have safety. At least that's one way of looking at them, right? They limit you so that you can be safe and free. So that we as a community can be safe and not fear one another, but to love one another. To be people whom we are not afraid to talk to or approach. Just as we are not afraid to talk to and approach God. We are not afraid of being rejected by one another when we are loving as God loves. We're not afraid of asking for forgiveness from one another when we are loving as God loves. We are not afraid to give love because it won't be reciprocated. Because the act of giving love is the goal. When we love as God loves, we are not afraid to enter into the messy situations of what they might cost us for one another. When we act in love in God, spirit speaks to spirit. When love is what we are known for, love that is built on the foundation of the gospel, then we can truly testify as a community drawn together by the work of the Holy Spirit to the truth of the gospel. And the spirit of truth will be what binds us together. So as we close our time together this morning, let's continue to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and do this work in us. Let's continue to pray for that power that 
that led to the creation of the world. I'll just, I'm just going to turn this off and see if that helps. And I'll talk loudly for this last little bit.